Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant, Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland, that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a home church, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship. For more information about our Sunday service, or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message from Sunday service. Thank you so much. You can take a seat. Such an honor and such a privilege to stand on this platform. I was born in a small village in Germany with maybe 700 people. And I have never dreamed ever to come to Australia or travel the world. Um, I would have been scared two years ago to know that I will preach on a platform in Brisbane speaking in English. Because I grew up in Germany and all I learned was German and a little bit English in school. So I tried to develop my English and thanks for having me, taking a risk, uh, inviting a stranger, a German, uh, not English speaking person. And um, just thank you for your friendship, for treating me like a king the last few days. It was a joy to to meet up and catch up with you in October at Lifehouse Conference. And, you know, sometimes you just meet people and you think, I could be best friends with them. They are awesome. And so we catched up a little bit, spoke a little bit, and then realized we have, we have some things in common. We, we were born in the same year. Uh, we are both married. Both of us married uh, some, uh, two wives, not some wives, two wives, <laughs> which are much smarter, much kinder, and much more beautiful than we are. Both of us has kids in the same age. We are pastoring a church. Uh, we are dreaming of planting more churches. We have some responsibilities in our movement. So it was just a, bless- a blessing and a pleasure for me to catch up with you both, with your family yesterday and uh, sitting in a restaurant Friday together with you. And thank you for having the honor to speak on your platform. I've heard a lot about this great church from other pastors I met at the ACC National Conference. And just great to be here. It was four years ago when I was in Australia for the second time together with some German pastors and four German to Czech pastors and we were traveling uh, through Melbourne, have been in Wollongong near Sydney and then we've been at the national conference at the Gold Coast and you know, I was just full, I was overwhelmed from so much wisdom and knowledge and good advice as I've catched up uh, by meeting with all these different pastors. My notebook was full with everything I, I, te- I, I wrote down just because I wanted to remember it. But maybe you know, there's one thing to catch up good wisdom and good knowledge and some good advices from pe- people you admire, but it's another thing to hear from God. It's another thing to, to get a word from God. So I, I, I was sitting in my hotel room at the ACC National Conference at Gold Coast just praying that God give me a heart directly from heaven which I can, can take or catch up in my heart and I can take back to Germany which, which kind of changed my life. So I was going for a prayer walk um, on the beach and was passing some servers sitting on their surfboard in the ocean. And it was like God was asking me, what do you think is the most important thing if you want to ride a wave? So I've never been a server. I've never tried. Uh, I don't look like a server. So I said, I have no clue. So I just started to, to think about what would be the most important thing if you want to ride a wave. I thought about looking like a server, long haul long blonde hair, sunburned skin, thin muscles everywhere. So I thought about 
having the right equipment, a cool, a cool board, nice colors, right size. I thought about having the right technique, standing on the sport. I thought about the right timing when the wave comes in and you, you need to catch the right timing to jump on your board. I thought about having, having a good balance, a, a good balance standing on the sport, riding these waves. I thought about courage, being brave enough to be out there where the wave comes in and to jump and maybe you look like a fool. I thought about all these different options which would, might be the most important thing if you want to ride a wave. But then I realized all this is of no use if there is no wave. You, you can have the best look, you can have the best sport, you can have all the technique, you can have the timing, you can have the balance, you, you, you can be brave. But is there, if there's no wave coming, you will never ever ride a wave. So I realized the most important thing if I want, if you want to ride a wave is to position yourself where the wave will come. And I think it's, that's, that's not always only important for servers. Uh, that's also important for, for pastors, for leaders, for husbands, for spiritual people to position yourself where God wants to have you and where God is sending the waves in your life. You can look like a server your whole life and never ride a wave. You can look like a Christian, but never catch a wave of God because you're not positioned yourself. You don't position yourself where God wants to have you. I think one of the most important things trying to follow Jesus Christ is to be willing to position yourself where God wants you to position yourself. One more secret. The challenge by positioning yourself is, you need to position yourself before the wave comes in. Yes. There's no use of sitting at a beach, waiting for the waves and jumping in the water when the wave arrives already. You need to be there before the wave comes in. And in, in spiritual life, it's the same. It needs faith, and that's the reason why a lot of people miss the waves of God in their life. Because it needs faith and courage to position yourself where there is no wave. That is just nothing but the promise of God that he will bring waves in your life. Position yourself. If you can't remember anything from this sermon, remember this one thought, position yourself. Position yourself where God wants to position you. To position yourself might mean... That you need to reposition yourself, that you need to move. To position yourself might mean that you stay where you are and believe that the wave is coming because God said that's the place to be. Position yourself can be a geographical area or place or it can be a, an attitude in your heart. Position yourself can mean speak up. Position yourself can mean stay silent. Trust in God that he's in control. Position yourself can to look totally different in your life than in the life of your, your neighbor or the person you're sitting behind or next to. But all of us need to position ourselves if we want to catch up the waves of God. When we speak about discipleship, often we think about praying, about reading your Bible, about coming to church, worshiping God, fasting, giving. But, but if you look at the Bible, it's interesting. Jesus never did an altar call. He never said, raise your hand. 
He never said, speak, speak after me. What he said is, come and follow me. In other words, position yourself. Position you there where I want to position you. So he, he called Peter and Andrew and said, come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. He said to his disciples, whoever wants to follow me, let him take up his cross and follow me. He spoke to the rich young man, sell whatever you have, give it to the poor and follow me. So it's always about following him. And following him means to position yourself where he wants to position you. If, if you look in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, we, we find a story of Moses at a burning bush. God was trying to position Moses for the next wave which will come in his life. God was looking for men to deliver God's people from slavery in Egypt. To lead them to the promised land. And imagine in, in heaven, everything was prepared. The angels were ready to go. The blacks were, were prepared. The mosquitoes, the frogs, the, the blood to die, the, the kneel and all those kind of stuff. Everything was prepared. The cattle black. Aaron was on his way. The only thing which was missing was Moses. So God tried to catch the attention of Moses. And he... God, he got the attention of Moses. God, God tried to speak to Moses and he spoke to Moses. God tried to send Moses, but Moses didn't want to go. So imagine everything was prepared in heaven for the greatest rescue mission world history has ever seen. And the biggest challenge for God was not Pharaoh. The biggest challenge for God wasn't Egypt. It wasn't to, to, to split the, the, the water. The biggest challenge for God was to position Moses. He found Moses. He spoke to Moses, but Moses didn't want to go. Moses was arguing and discussing with God. And the first thing Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? I don't know if you have ever asked this question to God. Who am I to pray for my boss? Who am I to change my family? Who am I to plan the business? Who am I to lead kids ministry? Who am I to, 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 to evangelize with my neighbors? Who am I to, to sing on this platform? Who am I to, to make a difference in this world? We, we look at our, our, our family background, we look at our education and le uh, level of education, we, we look at our skills, we look at our personalities, we look at our, our gender, we, we, we look about our mandate, our power, our connection. We, we just look at, at us and we think, who am I? Who am I to make any difference in this world? So God was arguing with, Mo with Moses was arguing with God and said, God, who am I? And everything God answered to him was, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I don't know if you, you have this, 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 this term in English, in Germany, in school, we have a term which means topic missed. Topic missed means the answer isn't wrong, but it's just not fitting to the question. Co correct answer, but it's not what the teacher has asked you. So Moses was asking God, who am I? And I think he, he would have loved to hear, you are awesome. You are great. You are the best person I could find on this whole planet. You can sing. You can run. You can preach. You can prophesy. You can heal for the sick. You, you are the best. 
I need you. But the answer of God was just, I'm with you. In other words, it doesn't matter who you are. Your history doesn't matter. Your, your family background doesn't matter. Your educational level doesn't matter. If you are German or English, it doesn't matter. Everything that matters is, I am with you. If you want to position yourself, if you want to make a difference in your life, everything that's matters is that God is with you. God is with you. So because Moses was a smart guy, he realized, okay, it's not about me. It's all about God. So he said, God, can, can I ask a second question? I realized it's not about me. It's all about you. But if everything I have is you, can I ask you a second question? Who are you? Who are you? Moses said to God, to so suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? Who are you? If all you have is that God is with you, it's important to know who he is. And God says to Moses, I am who I am. I am Yahweh. I am who I am. In other words, you can't put me in a box. You can't. I'm too big for a box. I'm too big for one word, for one name, for one title. I am who I am. I am Yahweh Shalom, the Lord, your peace. I am Yahweh Rafa, the Lord, your healer. I am Yahweh Yireh, the Lord, your provider. I am who I am. In other words, if you need comfort, I'm your comforter. If you need courage, I'm your encourager. If you need support, I'm your supporter. If you need protection, I'm your protector. If you need strength, I'm your strengthener. If you need wisdom, I'm your wisdom. I am who I am, and the big who I am is with you when you are willing to position yourself where he asks you to. It's not about you. It's not about your background, about your skills. Everything that matters is that you are there where God will bring the next wave. Yeah. I was standing at this beach and Gold Coast and realizing God will bring waves into my life. God will open doors. God will, will make opportunities. God will make room. Everything that matters is that I'm co courageous and brave enough to position myself where there is no wave. Yeah. Expecting that when God promises a wave, it will come. At his time. Moses wasn't totally convinced. Moses said, okay, I got it. It's not about me. It's all about you. And you are awesome. But what if? Have you ever thought about that? What if? What if it doesn't work? What if the wave doesn't hit in? What if the business doesn't, don't go well? What if my boss thinks I'm a fool? What if it won't work out? What, what if it's painful? What if it costs a price? Moses said, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? What if? I, sometimes I ask my, myself, how much waves of God have I missed in my life because of this question? What if? What if? How many opportunities, how many doors would have gone open if I would be brave enough to knock at them? How many breakthroughs would have happened if I would be brave enough just to jump against the wall? What if? What, what if it doesn't work? 
So God answers, answer to Moses, what, what's in your hand? What do you have? It wasn't much. Moses said, all I have is this, this staff, this, this wooden staff. God said, throw it, on the, throw it on the floor. And the staff became a snake. I said, catch it at the tail, and the snake became a staff. And I thought, that's amazing. That's a miracle. If I would have a staff like that in my life, I would go crazy. I would do whatever God calls me to do. I would pray for the sick. I would plant churches. I, I would go nuts. If I would have a stick like that, oh man. Yeah. It was like God speaking to me. You, you not only have one staff, you have two. Crossed and joined to a cross. You, you have two wooden sticks crossed and joined to a cross, but Jesus Christ died for you. Everything, only you, everything you need to do is to look back a few thousand years and realize that God is not only able to make a snake out of a staff, he's able to raise Jesus Christ from the dead after three days. The, the great I am is with you. You have more than Moses have. If you think a staff who could become a snake is awesome, realize what happened on this cross three days after when Jesus raised from the dead. Moses said, yeah, that's fine, but I have never been a great speaker. There's still something missing. Thank, thanks God for being with you, with me. Thank God for all you are. Thanks for Jesus on the cross. But I'm not a good speaker. I can't sing. I'm not a good relational guy. I'm not good in administration. In other words, I, anyway, I'm the wrong person. And God looks onto Moses and says, Aaron is on his way. Everything you need is already on his way. Yeah. God is not only speaking to you. God is also speaking to other people. Yeah. And whatever is on your heart where you need some some help, other people are already on her way and they will catch up with you when you're willing to position yourself where God asks you to position yourself. I graduated from Bible College 19 years ago and I had two options to, to pass the church after Bible College. One was in Nördling where I ended up. Small town in the countryside, 20,000 people living in this town. Church of 30, 40 people, an old school building. 50% salary. And the other option would have been a big, bigger city in our context called Mannheim near Frankfurt. Big new, brand new building, um, full-time salary. Vice president of our movement was leading this church. So I would have been kind of his assistant pastor. He would retire and then everything would... So, and humanly, it would have been a no-brainer. It was obvious that this bigger church, with, in our context, big church, 200 plus people back then, would have been the best option to start your pastoral career. But in my heart, in the heart of my wife, we felt that God is calling us to position ourselves in Nördling and in this small town of 20,000 people, far away from Munich, from Stuttgart, from the big cities, old, old building. And we did 19 years ago, and God brought a wave. God brought a wave. I think I, I, we have a photo of our church building back then um, when we started. That was our stage. You see, you, do you say overhead presenter? Yes. This old school projector, yeah? Our monitors, our cross, our drums. That, that was our st stage. And if you look from the stage to the auditorium, this would have been your perspective. Yes. 
That's all we had. Back there, that was the main entrance. We had one parking spot before the main entrance, and that, that's, what, that's it. That's all we had. We have a, a, a few rooms upstairs for the kids. We started with 30, 40 people. One year later, it was totally packed with 65. God um, gave us another building, a bigger building where we can move in. And, and God just brought a wave. Right now, we have, as you said, four campuses trying to start. The fifth one, I got the president of our small movement, part of the national executive team of a bigger movement with 900 churches. And, and just... God, God just brought in some, some blessings. We have, we have good, great staff people. We have more money. All this kind of stuff. Because, not I'm amazing, but because we were willing to position ourselves and God brought a wave. Every Christmas, Christmas is the big thing, not Eastern Germany, it's Christmas. In Easter, we, 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 rent, uh, we hire the town hall and we fill it twice with around about 900 people in total, which would equal 4% of population of our town. A few years ago, RTL, it's one of the biggest TV stations in Germany, um, came with a camera team to produce a small clip for the main news. Two to four million people is, are watching this main news every day. So and they brought them in because they, they realized Lutheran and Catholic churches are me losing members tremendously. But there are small, free churches, Pentecostal churches who are in decline. So they just want to check in and two, two minutes, only two minutes. And we were on the main news. Two to four million people in Germany were watching our church. And to be honest, it, it didn't change our church at all. But it helped me to realize if God wants to highlight you, if God wants to bring a spotlight up onto, onto you, he can. He will find you. What can come good out of Nazareth? What can come good out of Nördlingen? It's a small town. It's, nobody knows. But if God wants to put a highlight on your life, he can. He can bring raves. At the end, it's, it's not about being famous. It's not about having a title, having a nice building. At the end, it's about people. Amen. So I'm so thankful for the people who got saved in our church over the last 19 years. I think about one, one family. He grew up in a Greek family, born in Germany, um, Greek Orthodox background. And his mother died when he was 12 years old. His dad tried his best to fill this hole in his heart, his uh, sister's help, but it didn't work. So he started to, to drink, he started to party, he started to take drugs, he started to, to, to meet, uh, catch up with different girls, and he was 20-something when he was in a disco, and he thought, if that's everything I'm living for, I can commit suicide. It's not worth living for. In this season of his life, he met his wife, Rafaela. Rafaela was born in Italy, her parents, her mom was 16 and her dad was 70 when she got born. When she was a few years old, she moved, they moved to Germany. She needed to learn a, a new language, no relationships, nothing. Just her, her sister and her parents. But what she had was a praying grandma in Italy. And this grandma was praying for her and said, Rafaela, you need to look for a church. You need to look for other Christians where you can pray together. And she said, word for word, I was looking for a church, but I couldn't find one. There were the Catholic church, of course. There were the Lutheran church. But I was looking for a life-giving church, and I couldn't find one. The thing is, our church exists in this city for 70 years now. But we were so hidden in the backyard that she couldn't find us. 
But one year after I came to pastor this church, we were able to reposition ourselves, sold our old house, and buy, bought a new one um, right on the main street of the town. We positioned ourselves at the main street next to the train station, next to the post office. And one day she was at post office and she left the post office, uh, looked on the other side, and we were um, positioning our, our logo, our sign on the outside of our building. And she realized this might be a church. So she went in, it was Saturday, the, the, the woman were meeting, thank God for woman meetings. So she went in and asked, is this a church? Yes. Can, can I come and can I bring my family on Sunday? Yeah, for sure. Tomorrow, the day after she was in church, she walked in the building. Before the sermon even started, during the worship time, she was starting to cry. Because she realized, I found home. Yeah. I found the place my grandma was always telling about. And it was this presence of God during the worship time. Her, her, her husband was a little bit more skeptical. He grew up in a Greek Orthodox background. He's never seen a church like that. And he walked in and he thought, I don't think that they will hurt me, but you never know. He left after this church service and said to his wife, darling, I don't know what it is, but these people have something I don't have. I want to be like these people. So he kept, they kept coming. A few weeks later, somebody's church was smaller. We're praying on, in the rows in, in the row, uh, during the worship time. He went home and said, darling, this guy prays or is speaking with God like he knows him. What do I need to do to know God? So in the living room at home, his wife was leading him to Jesus Christ. They have three kids, they have a great shop, they have a building, they are pillars in our church, and that's, that's what it's all about. But it starts with positioning yourself where God wants you to position you. Sometimes if we want to position ourselves, we are full of doubt, for good reasons. Sometimes there are good reasons to doubt. But let me tell you, if you doubt, if you doubt, if you have some doubts into your life, in your life, you are in good company. You are in good company. Most of us might know the great commission in Matthew 28, verse 18. Therefore, said Jesus to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you. What's interesting is the verse before. Matthew 28, verse 17, it says, Then the eleven disciples, the twelve disciples minus Judas, went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So they were positioning themselves. Jesus was calling them, and all they did was obeying the call of God to position themselves upon this mountain where Jesus was waiting for them. And then when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I love these guys. They are so real. They are so normal. They are like you and me. Some of them doubt it. So now I think as a pastor, come on, Jesus. You, you are the great, you are the best pastor, the best shepherd this planet has ever seen. You, you should have known about their doubt. And as a good pastor, it's always good to be a little bit sensitive, to be a little bit empathetic, to a bit, not, not to stretch your people too much. So I would have expected if Jesus would be a good pastor, that he would have said, guys, listen, I would have had a great vision. The original plan was 
to go into all the nations, to the north, to the south, to America, to South America, to, to reach the lost. But now that we are standing here on this mountain and I see into your eyes and I see into your hearts and I see all of your doubt, maybe we just adjust the plan a little bit. Would you mind to go back to Jerusalem and start a few small groups? Maybe if you split up, 11 of you, already three, four people together. Maybe we can start four small groups, one in the north, one in the south, one in the west, one in the east. What, what do you think that's all right for you? He didn't. And we're glad he didn't. He saw the doubt in his disciples' heart, but he didn't care. Because he knew that there's a wave coming. Yeah. There's a wave coming. All it needed is that they are willing to position themselves. So he said to them, Go to Jerusalem and wait until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Amen. In other words, position yourself because a wave is coming you have never experienced before. And they had no clue who the Holy Spirit was. Jesus was telling them about the Holy Spirit, but they have never experienced the Holy Spirit. They never experienced Jesus. So they were willing to position themselves on the mountain. Jesus sent them to Jerusalem to position them in the upper room. And they positioned themselves with all their doubt. I'm so glad Jesus not only uses superheroes, super giants, faith heroes. God uses normal people like you and me. Everything he wants from you and me is that we are willing to position ourselves even with our doubt. Bring your doubt with me. It's okay. It's okay. You can doubt, but don't let your doubt hinder you from positioning yourself where God wants to position you. So they were positioning themselves in Jerusalem in this upper room for one day, for two days, for three days, for seven days, for 13 days, for 20 days, and nothing happened. Nothing. Four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, nothing happened. Day 47, day 48, I wonder who of us would have been in this room on day 49. Nothing happened at all. But they were willing to position themselves. And on day 50, there was a roar in heaven. The earth began to shake. Tongues of fire came and laid on their heads. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in a language they've never learned. And 3,000 people got saved in the city where Jesus got murdered a few weeks before. Why? Not because they were amazing, not because they were without doubt, but because they were willing to position themselves that Jesus called them. Let me, let me tell you, God wants to bring waves into your life. It's not about you. It's all about him. Forget about the what if. Bring your doubt and just position yourself where you feel that God wants you to position yourself. Might be a geographical place. Might be a heart attitude. Might that you need to move. Maybe you just need to stay and trust God that the wave will come on his time. But whatever God told you, position you where God told you to position yourself. And at the end... So important that we understand this. At the end, willingness is more important than skillfulness. Hey. Willingness is more important than skillfulness. Yes. It was on in year 2002. It was the day before Germany lost the final World Cup, the World Cup final in, in Japan, South Korea against Brazil. We're still <laughs> suffering because of that. 
It was the day because, before this final, as, as a class of students in the theological seminary, we were standing in Bayreuth, a bigger town in Bavaria, a few thousand, maybe 100,000 people. We were standing kind of in the, in the mall or in the town square um, and trying to, to speak with, with people about our faith, uh, doing an open air service, singing some worship songs and just connecting with people, asking them about their faith, praying for people. And I was so nervous. I was so, so challenged. I've never done this before. And I was so, so inexperienced. And I think we were nearly at the end of this meeting. The guys started to pack up and I was standing on the street and had not one good conversation at all. When a young man was walking down the street directly to my, to my stand where I was standing. We had some, some, something to drink. We have some crackers to eat. So I just asked him, do you mind? Do you, would you like to, to have some of these crackers? Yeah, why not? So he stopped and we started the conversation. His name was Thomas. We, start, we, we started to speak about Jesus, about faith, and he said, there is no God. If there would be a God, there wouldn't be so much evil things going on in this life. And I've realized over the years, most people who ask this question or make this statement, it's not a theoretical apology, uh, argument to, to silence you. It's because of some pain in their own life. So I asked him, what, what's going on in your life? And he said, the relationship to my parents is a complete disaster. I moved out because a few weeks before a good friend of him died, they were at a party drinking some alcohol, and I don't know why. She, she just was standing on, on the street when a car came and hit her. The ambulance came, they brought her into the uh, hospital, and she died in the hospital a few weeks before we met. He said, when I was walking down this street, I decided in my heart to commit suicide when I'm at home. So I was, well, I was standing there, 22 years old, as a young theological student, thinking about all these good arguments we have learned in our Bible college. None of it worked. No argument, no theory, no explanation. The pain was just too overwhelming for him. But I realized, if, if I can't help him... It's a matter of time when he will commit suicide at home. So the best thing I remembered nearly at the end of our conversation, that there was a Bible verse, and I had no clue where it was, but it, it, it's, it, it looked like a Bible verse in my mind. So I said, I don't know where in the Bible, but I think there's a Bible verse where it says, when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. Would you be willing to pray an easy prayer together with me on the street? That if God is real, he will show up? I said, yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. Before committing suicide, give him a chance. So he prayed this easy prayer. God, if you're real, please show up. We ended the conversation and because I was hungry, I wanted to go to McDonald's. <laughs> because I'm polite, I asked him if he wants to join me and he wanted so we ended up at McDonald's. I needed to go to the bathroom. He lined up. When I came back from the bathroom, he turned around, bright eyes, said, Stefan, there is a God. God loves me and God has a plan for my life. Wow. I, was, I was lost. I thought, well, what happened? <laughs> what happened? For, for, I don't know, an hour I tried to explain to you that there is a God in heaven, that he has, loves you and that he has a plan for your life. And 
you insisted that there's no God. What happened? So we went out, we sit down, and he said, listen, a few years ago, I was in a party at a lake. I was drunk. I tried to be cool, and so I jumped into the lake, swim in the middle of this lake, and in the middle of the lake, I lost my energy, I lost my orientation, and I was drowning. I would have died at this party if it wasn't for a young guy who was seeing me in this lake, jumped in the water and rescued me and saved my life. Today, on the day where I decided to commit suicide, we walked into McDonald's. I lined up to order my meal. Who do you guess was standing before me? He said, I don't know this guy. I've never seen this guy since this moment. But I realized that God has saved my life already a few years ago. I realized there is a God who saved my life because he loves me and he has a plan for my life. And on the day I decided to commit suicide, I saw this guy again. And I realized there's a God in heaven who loves me and has a plan for my life. It's not about skillfulness, it's about willingness. 22 years old, unexperienced, nervous, standing on the street in Bayreuth. God were able to use me. Why? Not because I was amazing, not because I was skilled, not because I was well-trained, not because I was courageous, only because I was willing just to be there, just, just to position myself. When Jesus was praying in this garden of Gethsemane, he asked God if there's another option. Please take another one. But not my will, but your will shall be done. And Jesus was willing to position himself where God wanted to position him. The only reason we can become child of God was because, is because Jesus was willing to position himself. There is a God in heaven who loves you. There is a God in heaven who has a plan for your life. And all it needs is to position yourself. And the first decision we need to make in our lives is to position ourselves where Jesus Christ is. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me all my sins. I don't know exactly who you are. I don't know exactly how it works. But today I want to position myself and to become a child of God. If that's you, if, if, if you have just feel that God is calling you, that God is knocking on your door, of your heart. I want to encourage you to position yourself to make the most important decision in your life and to position yourself by raising your hand and say, God, it's me. Come into my life. Save me. Change me. Maybe we can just close our eyes and just want to give the opportunity before we pray for everybody. If you are here and you want to invite Jesus Christ in your life, if you are here and you want to position yourself with Jesus Christ. If you want to say, Jesus, come into my life, forgive all my sins, change my life, help me. I want to be your, your, your child. I want to be your friend. I need you in my life. Just raise your hand where you are. Thank you. Anybody else in the room? Thank you for your hand. Just pray together.
Jesus, I thank you that you were willing to position yourself. I thank you that you were willing to pay a price and give your life. So I can be forgiven. I believe that you are God's son. You came to earth to rescue me. Forgive all my sins. Help me to follow you. Whatever it means. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just one person. Maybe can we give her an applause? Thank you for inviting Jesus into your life. And maybe we just can stand up all together. Thanks for joining us. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship.